morning. I'm so glad to see you. I was telling people at 8 o'clock and whatever time that last one was, I was telling them, and I'll tell you, I love this church. Not the building. It's okay. But it's you, uh, people of God who have assembled here and continue to gather and to minister. And, and you make such a difference across the street and around the world. It's true. You really are making a difference in this church. I love your pastor. I, I don't know of anybody else. And I've heard a lot of preachers. I didn't know anybody who could stand here and in those few minutes just give you the gospel so clearly, so plainly. Do you know how fortunate and blessed you are to have pastors like that, like that man? I told him after last service, he could just read the Hernando phone book and I'd want to make a decision. <laughs> you are so blessed. Blessed together in this room. Yeah, we are. Father, we're just so grateful to be here in this place at this time with you, our God. You, the Holy Spirit. You, the Spirit of Jesus Christ who brings us love from heaven, binds us together, opens up this book to us. Oh, Lord God, do it again. Make the word real. Make it real in every heart that we would leave here today convinced of the truth of the gospel and your plan for us and our hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. When I got the invitation to come preach here, I started thinking through, you know, what could you know, always do? What could I preach? It's, you know, I haven't preached in three years, can, and I, I thought I'm just going to over-preach when I get there. So I've tried to hold back, and I couldn't. I found a whole chapter of the Bible that just got my attention and just was such a blessing and encouragement to me. I just wanted to lay it on you. So you too might be encouraged. Hey, I'll go ahead and give you the conclusion, all right? So if you need to leave for one reason or the other, you already have got to the end. Here's the end of the message. It goes like this. I have a certain hope in the Lord that he will bring me through every storm and deliver me safely home to heaven. Okay, that's what I'm praying. You would lay hold of it. I have a certain hope in the Lord that he will carry me through every storm and bring me safely home to heaven at the end. So that's where we're going. And how we get there, I think, is just digging into the word of God, looking at Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. If you have a scratch and sniff Bible, you just scratch that page and you'll smell the ocean. It's a story at sea. It's about a ship that's going to sail on the Mediterranean through a storm. You can almost smell the salt spray when you look to chapter 27. And if you have a Bluetooth attachment for your Bible, you could plug it in. And you could listen to the wind roaring. You could listen to the waves crashing because we're going right into a storm. A vicious, 
horrible storm that doesn't seem to have an end. And if you had one of those goggles, those VR virtual reality goggles, you could put those goggles on, your Oculus, I've heard it called, and you could look out and you could see the ship. And you could actually board the ship and look around. There's 276 people on board. And among them is the Apostle Paul, his right-hand man Luke, who has written this account in Acts chapter 27, and a good man named Aristarchus, who loved the Lord and wanted to be there always to be a helper to Paul. You'd see them all. You'd see the calamity that they're in. As you begin chapter 27, you see that Paul was on his way to Rome. He'd been a prisoner for two years in Caesarea. And they finally decided to get rid of him, send him to Rome. He didn't mind. He'd go to Rome any way he could, on a prison ship or a cruise ship. Didn't matter to Paul. He just wanted to get to Rome so he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was preached right there. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day to give us life. And his whole focus in life, his whole motivation was to get that message of the gospel out. So he is taken as a prisoner to Rome in chapter 27. He, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Keep his mind, his name in mind, because you meet him again several times in the story. Well, they went on a little ship along the coast of Turkey and then realized they need a bigger ship if they were going to cross the Mediterranean. So they found one, an Egyptian freighter carrying wheat out of Egypt, bound for Rome, and they boarded the prisoners, the soldiers, the sailors, they were all on board and ready for this trip. But it wasn't an easy one. You'll see as you look, verses 4 and following, that there were contrary winds. It was rugged sailing, weren't making much progress as they carried on. Great difficulty. They arrived off an island there in verse 7. And uh, it, the wind didn't permit them to go any further. So they looked for a safe place to just pull in for a while. Then pick up on verse 9. Let's read it. Now, let me share it with you. It's just fascinating. This is so good. This is the most accurate depiction of first century navigation in all of ancient history. It is the standard by which historians, naval historians, navigating historians look to see how did people get along in the Mediterranean in that first century. And uh, this is the kind of thing that happened. Verse 9, after considerable time had passed and when the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast, that's Yom Kippur, that's the Day of Atonement, that fast, it was almost over. That happens around the first two weeks of October normally, depending on the calendar, but uh, they are somewhere in mid-October. It's a bad time to sail, and Paul began to admonish them. He began to warn them, this is not a good time to sail. We if anything happens, we're going to be delayed anyway. We're going to end up sailing into the month of November. And that's the most dangerous month on the Mediterranean. And sailors never ventured out of port in November to go sailing on the Mediterranean. But here they are on the cusp of this disastrous time of year. Paul is warning them. Verse 11, but the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship. And you would expect that. They'd be more persuaded by the pilot and the navigator and the captain of the ship than they would a preacher. But they should have listened to the preacher. And so should you. It was a warning. 
of scriptures full of warnings. And when they are not heeded, it often, often ends in disaster. When I was a senior in high school, living in St. Augustine, Florida, one block off the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, we heard about a storm that was seeming to head right for our town. It was called Dora. And we charted its crossing of the Atlantic all the way from the coast of Africa. And it looked like it was making a beeline for our house, our home, and it was. It came straight across the Atlantic, unlike any other previous storm, and plowed right into St. Augustine, Florida, and 22 Morella, where the Fords lived. The wind picked up all day. Late afternoon, my dad said, we're going to the beach to fill sandbags. And we went out there, the wind and the sand was stinging our legs, and we were filling those bags and piling them in the back of our, I think it was a Pinto or some awful car. <laughs> Got those bags home, unloaded them, blocked up the, the uh, garage, which always flooded, and blocked up the front door and the back door. And uh, my dad said, we're set, we're settled, we're going to stay. And, and the warning on the radio and television was constantly, get off the island. We lived on one of those barrier islands right off St. Augustine. They said, get off the island. And my dad said, no, we're not getting off this island. I'm not leaving this house. I don't know why people do that. He wasn't going to leave. And we were just flagging, scared and begging him, Dad, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. It's getting late. Storm's coming. Storm's coming. Uh-uh, we're staying right here. we got sandbags. We're fine. Do you know the elevation of St. Augustine, Florida? Zero. It has no elevation. We were listening to the wind. We're listening to the rain. Warnings on the radio. Warnings on television. And finally, later in the evening, there was a knock at our door. And I'm telling you, I'll never forget the sight of this National Guardsman. He filled the entire door. And he stood there. And a deep and grave voice said. You've got to leave the island. I have tow tags available. For you to use. So we can identify your bodies. After the storm. I'm not lying. My mama was ready to leave whether daddy did or not. But we all got in the car and, and got as fast as we could over the bridge and back to the mainland and suffered the storm over at my grandmother's house. Let me tell you what happened. The next day when the water receded and we could get to our house and they let us go there, we went to the house. The sandbags were there. And they had held but the water had gone over the sandbags and flooded our house. I cannot imagine the fear we would have had watching that water come creeping up our legs and our knees and trying to get above that water through that dark night of that hurricane. When you get a warning, when you get a warning from this book, you better listen. You ought to listen. We need to listen. We need to listen to what the Lord is saying to us. Our hope 
is only in Jesus. This is what the Bible says if you don't have that relationship with Jesus that pastor speaks about, which I'm sharing with you. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember, you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Without Jesus, there you are. With no hope and without God in the world. Isn't that an awful place to be? I had this friend in Prague that I met through our international church. He was Chinese and he started coming to the service. And I was curious about how he had become a Christian, what had happened. And uh, he took me out for a meal one day and he started telling me his story and what it was. Do you, any of you older people remember Tiananmen Square in Beijing? About 30 years ago, there was mass demonstrations where the Chinese people were asking for freedom, calling out for freedom. They even raised up a copy of the Statue of Liberty, bless their hearts. And, and the Chinese communists came in and just desolated those students. We don't know to this day how many were killed. But my friend John was there in that square that day. And what he told me was he had already lost hope in communism. And that day, when the army came in and charged against him, he lost hope in anything. He was hopeless and without God, just like the book of Ephesians says. And he said in his hopelessness, he had ended up in the Beijing public library. And as if guided by an unseen hand, reached up and took a copy of the Bible in Chinese and sat there by himself and read and read and read. And he said to me, I read that book and I became a Christian. No missionary, no other human involved. Holy Spirit book, Jesus in his heart. I said, what part did you read that made the big difference? How did you become a Christian? He said, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I read about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I read about Jesus being buried. I read about him being raised from the dead to give life. And I wanted that life. And he gave it to me. All by his lonesome in that library, John was saved. Ended up in Prague selling garments and uh, textiles. As we talked one day in that restaurant and having a great time, all of a sudden the color went out of that fellow's face. He was a young guy in his early 20s. And he kind of crumpled. He got real small right there across the table from me. And I said, John, what is it? What's wrong? And he says... Look over your shoulder at those three guys who just came in. They are the Communist Party bosses of our embassy here in Prague. And they watch everything that we do. And they're seeing me now right here with you. So, I said, I'm sorry, I'll get up and leave. And John said, no, you won't. He said, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm going to live in the freedom that Jesus has given me. That boy, John, and his friends eventually brought marching me to the airport with our kids and saw us off and hugged us. And a couple of years later, I found out that John had established the first Chinese Baptist Church of Prague.
a boy without hope, when hope was born, we have a hope, it's certain. The Lord's going to get us through. Now, now look what happened in this story. This is going to move through it rather quickly, get you home in time. Hopeless. And then Paul stood up, verse 21, and he says what every man loves to hear. Men, you ought to have followed my advice. I told you so. Wasn't the time to sail. Verse 22, yet I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. You know, the first part of that, I would be encouraged. No loss of life. But the second part would get me worried. Only the ship? What do you mean? I like the ship. It's between me and the water. And I hope it gets me home. No, something else is going to happen. And then he says, what the basis of this message of courage is in verse 23. On this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar, and God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Hey, this very night, here's the basis of my hope. I'm not just hoping, hoping, hoping like, uh, I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope I don't get a flat tire, that kind of hope. No, this is that certain hope. It is born because I got the message. I got this message from God the God to whom I belong. The, don't you like that? The God to whom I belong. The one who bought me with his blood. Birthed me to new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the God to whom I belong. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The keeper of the covenant God. Is that your God? To whom you belong? That God? The God who walked through a fiery furnace with those three young men so that there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. Is that your God to whom you belong? The God who closed the lion's mouth, the God who caused the blind to see, the God who causes the lame to walk, the God who cleansed the leper. Is he not your God? The God to whom I belong, he is able to bring me through this storm. And deliver me safely to my heavenly home. That's the God to whom we belong and who we serve. Paul says, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. I serve him. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living. Whatever any of the rest of you say, he's living. I serve him. He has a purpose for my life. He bought me with his blood for a purpose that I would bear witness to him in Hernando, Mississippi, across the street, and then around the world. God's purpose for the people of this place has never changed from what it is in the book that we might serve him and glorify him and bring men and women to know him and follow him and love him. The God who I serve and then he says, don't be afraid. Verse 25, keep up your courage, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as he has said in the end. 
Isn't that perfect for you? Look here. Look at it. Underline 25. I believe God. Do you believe God? Do you believe what he's promised you in this book? Then you write it down. I believe God. My hope is certain in God. I believe God. It will turn out as exactly as I have been told. When he makes a promise, our God keeps his promise. He's promised us so many blessings about how, many, how it's going to turn out in the end. Your preacher is preaching through the book of Revelation. That's how it's going to turn out in the end. Jesus wins. Jesus will stand upon this earth in his glory. And all his people will honor and glorify him for all eternity. You know how the book ends. He's going to take us there. This God in whom we believe and whom we trust. Who has told us the end from the beginning. Now listen. Every service I've asked people. Even that 8 o'clock service. I ask them to say amen. Don't let them out do you now. I'm going to read some of these promises from the Lord God that come to you as an instant message, as a, what do you call them? A message from heaven. A message from heaven for you, just like was given on the ship to Paul and that crew and those prisoners. And you feel free after the promise is given, if you believe it, to shout out amen. Okay, here's one for you. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with a righteous right hand. Amen? Amen. 46 of Psalm, chapter 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be shaken, though the mountains fall down to the sea, though the sea roars the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Amen. Amen. Very good. John chapter 10. My sheep, Jesus says, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And there's no one able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Amen. We're in the double grip of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Issuing that promise to us today. Jesus has given us a secure place no matter the storm. How about this one? John eleven twenty five. 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're on the good ship grace right here. Look at the crew. Look at us. And we're all traveling together under the good hand of God with a certain hope he's going to bring us through the storm. You got a storm? Does it hit your home? Marital issues, marital storms, financial storms. How about national storms? It's not going to get better. There's going to be storms. You dear young guys, girls, you're going to see some dark, stormy days, I'm afraid, in the history that sits out there in front of you. But you have a hope.
a certain hope. God's going to get you through. No matter how desperate it seems on deck, there is a God who is undergirding you and carrying you through the storm, Micah. And we've got to tell our kids that. We've got to get them ready for the storms. Don't you know? We've got to get our grandkids ready for the storms. We've got to instill in them the certainty of the promises of God. It, it, the promises of God, and then you see in this story in chapter 27, and I'm running out of time to tell you all of it, but they're so filled with the grace of God. For instance, uh, the sailors decide that they're going to abandon ship and, and take the lifeboat themselves and leave the army guys guarding the prisoners and the prisoners on the ship. And they're going to row on to safety. And Paul shouts, don't, tells the centurion, don't let them do that. If, if they take off, we're, gonna, we're not going to make it. We need those sailors. And, and then in the midst of, of that, the grace of God just is poured out through Paul in, in a, an amazing moment where he tries to encourage them. You see that and underline the word encourage. You'll see it there three times in this passage. Verse 30, 33, verse 34, verse 36. Paul was encouraging. I encourage you. And then verse 36 says all of them were encouraged because he took bread and said, guys, you got to eat. Just practically to survive this situation. You got to eat. Take this practical step. And then he took the bread. And he lifted it up. And he gave thanks. I mean in the middle of the storm. Here's this little Jewish rabbi guy. Who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And he takes bread. And he lifts it up. And he gives thanks. He, he's the same guy who said. In everything give thanks. Even in the storms. In the storm give thanks. To our God who is able to deliver us. Give thanks. And he prayed. And all of them were encouraged. Oh the grace of God. Just take a, a, a Christian person. And put him in a place where there's a lot of scared people. And uses that person to be a voice. Of the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Would you be that person? Would, would you just make a. Avow yourself today. I will be the encourager God wants me to be. There's enough people in this world who are doom and gloomers. Even in the church. Doom and gloomers. That's not who you are. You are a glory. Hallelujah. Kind of Christian. Glory to God. Thank you God for what you can do. Oh it's the grace of God that keeps us. I was in uh, Slim. That you Slim? I thought so. I was in a group that he led on prayer up in that room up there last night. And uh, Slim was saying that at Thanksgiving, he says grace. He was saying this for years back. After he became a believer, he started saying grace for his family. They were all lost. Maybe some of you heard Slim's story, but they were all lost. And Slim comes to the Lord and he starts giving thanks at the Thanksgiving table. But he preached the whole gospel in his prayer. So his lost family members would hear how much Jesus loved them and gave himself for them. And then he said that when he goes to a restaurant, I hope you check this out. See if this is true. He really does this. He, he said to us last night, he goes to a restaurant and he says grace, but he says it so loud that everybody sitting around is going to hear the gospel before he finishes praying grace. Thank you, Slim, for that gospel voice in a stormy world. 
You can do it too. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you carry this word of hope with you. Speak it out. Well, things go from bad to worse. They don't get better. And uh, not only had the sailors want to abandon ship, but then the soldiers decide they're going to kill all the prisoners. If it wasn't bad enough, after all the endurance of the storm, soldiers decide to kill the prisoners. Oh, but the grace of God. Look at it there in verse 43. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard and swim to land. Look at that real close. But the centurion wanting to bring Paul safely through. Where does a Roman pagan get the notion to carry these prisoners safely through? This Paul safely through. It is the Lord God Almighty can take any heart of anybody anywhere and turn it in the direction he wants that heart to go. And he turned that centurion's heart and he became an instrument of grace on a singing ship. I'll tell you what, all along your way, in every storm you go through, there will be people along the way that God uses as an instrument of grace in your life. Even that big old National Guardsman that came to our house that night, he was an instrument of God's grace to get us moving and get us to safety. And that's the kind of God you have and I have. Well, some swam to shore and some just grabbed hold of the board and they got washed ashore and some just found a piece of junk and they got there. But they all got there. And that's the way the chapter ends. Everybody was safely delivered. And that's the way the life of every believer in this room is going to end. Safely delivered through every storm. Hebrews chapter 6. And then you can go home for lunch. All right. But if you go to Hebrews chapter. If you don't go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm not sure about letting you go. Hebrews chapter 6. Look at. Verse 18, no time to explain everything, but one thing for sure, it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Hebrews 6, 18, underline it. It's impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. We have this hope. As an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. One that enters into the veil. Where Jesus Christ, our high priest, is making intercession for us. Would you keep that picture in your mind? I have a hope. It's an anchor. And I'm holding on. And it is anchored into the promises of God. Into the grace of God. Into the goodness of God. The providence of God. To the sovereignty of God. And I'm holding on to that hope. And I'm not letting go. No matter how strong the storm. How high the waves. How fearful the people around me. I will hold on to my hope. In Jesus Christ. I have a hope. Some of you do not. And you need to take hold of it today. The anchor is offered to you. Whatever anchor you've been dependent on. Cut it loose. Hang on to the anchor that's anchored in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ. Take hold of him. Lord, I believe you. I want to trust you now. I'm going to trust you now as my savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my place. And you endured the storm of God's wrath. So I might make it safely home to heaven. Thank you, Lord. 
I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I hold on to you. I trust in you and you alone.